Good morning, church. Boy, it is so good to be here. I'm so glad that you're here. It's Labor Day weekend, and it sounds like your uh, vacation plans or your um, beach trip didn't work out. Uh, no, no, no. You're so faithful to God's house, and so, so glad you're here. If we haven't met, my name is Manny. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Highlands, and it is a joy to be in God's house with you. And if you're watching online, um, as a part of our um, extended online family, uh, welcome home. So glad that you are tuned in, and I hope to meet you one day live in person. Uh, today's message is, is titled, Come and See. Come and see. And we'll be camping in the gospel according to John, for the most part. But this morning's roadmap, as you'll see up here, um, I want you to put your hands up real quick. Four stories, four perspectives, and four tools. Can you say that with me? Uh, today's roadmap is four stories, four perspectives, and four tools as we look at what it means to walk in the way of Jesus. I mean, that's kind of what, like why you're here, right? It's because either you're curious or you're walking with Jesus or uh, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they're like, this gal that's coming to our church, um, she has a, a, a Dalmatian and, uh, and the, the dog is, you know, it's a big dog and it's a strong dog and she's small and not that strong. And so the dog like literally pulled her into this church. Uh, and, and she accepted Jesus and she's now a member of the church thanks to the Dalmatian. And so maybe your Dalmatian brought you here this morning, but for whatever, for whatever reason that you are here, um, this morning's talk, I hope it speaks to you in a very unique way. So could we uh, stand, if you're able to, uh, for the reading of the Word of God? This message is not from John, but it's from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 in the message translation. Let's read it together. Ready, set, go. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn. There you go. There you go. I want to read it again, but I don't want you to read it this time. I want to read it to you. The words of Jesus. Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together as we're standing. Lord Jesus, you invite us into your presence and into your ways not into an idea or a religion or some kind of a belief system, but you invite us into relationship with you, and that's where everything is born. So today, will you invite us, God, and may we sense your invitation to come and see. In Jesus' name, amen.
You may be seated. Just out of curiosity, um, how many of you enjoy invitation to things by, by a show of hands? Okay, so the next party we throw, we'll, we'll invite you. Um, how many of you enjoy getting invited to a wedding? Uh, how about a birthday party? Uh, baby shower? All the ladies, of course. Um, Super Bowl party? Yeah, come on. A jury summons. No hands. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm a pastor. After service, you can uh, confess your sins, that you lied and told them you had COVID five years ago uh, before we knew about COVID, and, um, or I don't know, bird flu, Ebola, syphilis, or something, and, and, and you're probably still... Okay, you can be honest about it, right? Okay. But not all invitations are exciting, right? Like a jury summons. There's a story I want to just point to real quick. Um, if you, um, a few years back, the, the Boston Globe wrote an article about uh, a couple that got engaged. So they got engaged, and they planned an expensive wedding in downtown Boston at the downtown Hyatt. Uh, they didn't hold back anything. They spent a lot of money. They got an orchestra and the band. They booked a, a like like an elaborate menu and fine china and the guest list. I mean, it was this, this big time, big time wedding. But a few weeks before the wedding, the guy decided that it was too much of a commitment for him to um, accept. And so he tapped out and he called it off. And so, yeah, not, not cool. But, but the woman goes to the Hyatt hotel and says, she talks to the wedding coordinator and she's, try, she's trying to get her money back. So she asks, like, could I get my money back because I spent a lot of money? And they're like, honestly, I don't know if we can. Maybe a little bit back? Uh, you know, the band is booked, uh, the schedule is already there, and they're going to lose business, and the venue's booked, and we don't have anyone to book. Um, you know, when we already ordered the food, so we can get you back a little bit, but, but we can't get you back everything. And so... Um, so this woman, at this point, uh, she decided instead of canceling the event, she would change the guest list. And so she invites all the homeless shelters in downtown Boston to come and to enjoy a spectacular evening with great food and killer music and dancing and wine and uh, fine china for those that are less fortunate. She doesn't change anything except for the guest lists, but she also changes the menu. Um, in honor of, her, of the guy that broke things off, uh, she decided to change the menu to um, boneless chicken, um, says the Boston Globe. And so, and so the people enjoyed, they, some, some even said that this was one of the best nights of our life. And so, which is really fascinating, an invitation to a second-hand event. Now, the good news is that the way of Jesus isn't an invitation to a canceled wedding or a second-hand event that was kind of recycled, as nice as it was. Rather, it's an invitation to come and see. Why? And this is the thesis of this morning, or the punchline. The way of Jesus starts with an invitation to come and see. The way of Jesus is an invitation to come and see, as we're going to see together in the gospel according to John. Here's another way to put it. Christian discipleship begins with belonging 
before believing. I know it sounds like, what? Seriously? Yeah, and you'll see. Christian discipleship begins with belonging before believing, at least according to what we see in the life of Jesus found in the Gospel according to John. But before we dive into the story, I'd love to give some context on the, the, the fourth Gospel, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Could I give some context for just a quick moment? Yes? yes. Do I have permission? Cool. All right, so first and foremost, the Gospel of John was written by the disciple John, uh, the young disciple and one of like probably Jesus' closest friend. Uh, not John the Baptist, so don't get that confused. Second, even though in chapter 1, uh, John mentions John the Baptist, but don't mi mix the two Johns together. John the disciple wrote the Gospel of John, or, or at least most of it. But John the Baptist is mentioned, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. If we didn't have the Gospel of John, and only had Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, we would only have like less than a year of Jesus' life and ministry. But it's because, that we, because we have John's testimony that we have like three and a half years of record of Jesus' life and ministry. John writes his gospel as an invitation. If you read the whole gospel, you'll kind of see like, wow, this, this is an inviting book. It's an invitation to be still and to intimately know Jesus and to intimately know and to look at the face of Jesus long enough until you realize that what you're looking at is the face of the eternal God. Sometimes we think eternal life means salvation for heaven. Actually, in John, eternal life is actually found in knowing God, right? Where the other gospel writers focus on the kingdom of God, salvation, and Jesus' Jewish roots, John places a great emphasis on Jesus' dual nature. That means his personhood, his humanity, and his godhood or his divinity while inviting the audience who's reading his, his gospel to come and see and to intimately know the Jesus that John knew. He's inviting us into a personal relationship to know the Jesus that John knew. So now, this is where our story begins. Uh, just to give some context, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people He's kind of priming the, the, the ministry of Jesus. He's kind of like priming the spiritual landscape for Jesus as he comes on the scene. So Jesus gets baptized, and you can read that in the other Gospels. But the story starts off here in John 1, 29, uh, 1, 29 to 34, and this is what it says. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one I was talking about. When I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, John the Baptist that is, I saw the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. I did not know Jesus, that is, was the one, right? He didn't know that Jesus was the one until, until he saw that. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he said to me, the one on whom you see the Spirit come down and rest on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. And so I, John the Baptist, I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Let's dive into our four 
stories of invitation and our four perspectives, perspectives of invitation. First, first story is found in John chapter 1, verse 35 until 39, and this is what it says. Now, I want you to look at the story from the lens of what I just talked about, John, to intimately know Jesus. Look at it through that lens for a second. The following day, John the Baptist was standing again. It seems like he's standing all the time. Um, he was standing again with two of his followers. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Look, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard him say this, they started following Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him. Looks back, and he says this. He says, What are you looking to find? In many translations, it's, it's, um, it's like, what do you want? Which kind of sounds like, like what do you want? <laughs> but but the, the context, the Greek, is actually like, like, what are you seeking to find? What are you looking for? And they said, rabbi, which means teacher in Hebrew. They asked him, where are you staying? Jesus replied, say it with me. Come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, so they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Who is inviting here? Jesus. Who, so what does he say to them? Come and see. Who is being invited? These two disciples that are following John. Well, um, a verse or two after, it says, one of these two men who heard John the Baptist and followed Jesus was this guy named Andrew who was the brother of Simon Peter. You know, the guy that walked on water and then, he, and then he didn't? So Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and he found him and he told him, Hey, Simon, we have found the Messiah. So we know that one of these two people that were following John then ended up following Jesus. One of them was this guy named Andrew, who became a disciple of Jesus. Our first perspective on invitation is an invitation to come and investigate. I mean, what does come and see mean? Come means move from where you are to where I am, and see means observe and think for yourself. Right? Like, if I tell you that, like, Zanku chicken has the best shawarma this side of, uh, like, the Mississippi, <laughs> you don't have to believe me, but... But following me to Zanku Chicken and trying it out, it's in eating that you start to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're right, this is pretty good. But following doesn't necessarily mean you, you believe, but it means you're curious and you're investigating, right? Think about that. John the Baptist was priming the spiritual landscape for Jesus, and these two end up following Jesus. And he reveals who Jesus truly is, John the Baptist is. And when Jesus looks back, he's like, what are you looking for? They're like... Where are you staying? They weren't concerned about his GPS location, by the way. When they were asking, where are you staying, is because they want to go and stay with you and to commune and hang out because they're curious and they're, they're interested. So it's interesting for all you uh, Chris Farley fans, Jesus does not say, down by the river in a van. What does he say? He says, come and see. Jesus invites them into an experience that requires them to think. 
To come and see is an invitation to come and think. He doesn't demand faith. He doesn't demand belief. He doesn't even ask him to pray a special prayer into something. All he says is, come and see, which simply means come and be with me and investigate for yourself. The road to discipleship doesn't always start with faith, but curious followership and freedom to investigate and to experience for yourself. That's really important. Friends, as you begin to share your faith, or maybe your, somebody's faith was shared with you, uh, those that are in your orbit, in your spheres of influence, remember to give people space to be curious and to investigate and to be patient with yourself and to give yourself space to see where that leads you and to examine. Why? Because the way of Jesus starts with an invitation to come and see because Christian discipleship begins with belonging before believing. Our second story of invitation is found in John 1, 43 to 44. The next day, Jesus decided to go to the town of Galilee. There he found Philip and said to him, Hey, come follow me. Philip was from the same town, or was from the town of um, Beth Bethsaida, the, the hometown of Andrew and his brother Peter. Who's doing the inviting here? Jesus. What does he say? Come follow me. Who is being invited? Philip. Great job, Bible scholars. Our second um, uh, invitation is, is an invitation to follow. Jesus was known as a rabbi. And what does rabbi mean in Hebrew? Teacher. Just some context. In Hebrew culture, in Hebrew society, um, like it was every parent's dream for their children or their sons to follow a rabbi. It was like their university. It was like social status. It was um, an academic, you know, higher level. Uh, it was important. So if, if you ended up following a rabbi and became part of his, his clan, his students, kind of like Plato and his students and Socrates and his students, this is kind of a, um, like a similar like archetype, right? Um, these, these people would be discipled, right? They would be followers of these teachers, these gurus, right? And, and so um, every parent's dream would be for their son to apprentice a rabbi. When Jesus says, follow me, in Hebrew culture, what he's actually saying is, come and apprentice me. You want to be a, a carpenter? You don't go and buy a buck carp um, carpenter for dummies. What do you do? You apprentice. You hang out with a carpenter. Watch how he uses the saws and how he designs it and how he uses sandpaper and all these other things. You, and then you do it. Like, I do, you watch. You do, I watch. And then you begin to do. That's what this is. Invitation to follow a rabbi. Here's an example. Um, here's a, a blessing, a very popular blessing that was told in ancient um, Judaism. This is what it says. It says, May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. What it means is this that 
May you apprentice your rabbi so well that as you closely follow his footsteps, the dust that comes from his sandals would cover you. That's what it means. So, how do you think fishermen, tax collectors, and carpenters that followed Jesus felt when a popular Hebrew rabbi comes and says, Hey, dude, come follow me. How do you think they felt? Well, if you were a fisherman and a tax collector or anything but a follower of a rabbi, you kind of missed the boat. You didn't make it. Your university time expired. Your social status, well, your laborer. Right? So how do you think they felt when Jesus says, hey, come and follow me? Honored. Valued. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting a second chance at things. Hmm. It was the honor of a lifetime. So friends, to come and follow is an invitation to come and apprentice. Why? Christian discipleship begins with belonging before believing. It has less to do about believing the right ideas and more about pursuing the right person. Let me say it again. That Christianity is much, much more about following the right person than having the right ideas. Now, don't get me wrong. Truth matters. And as you start apprenticing, what happens? You start knowing and believing. And both of those start growing. Right? Because that's what happens when you apprentice. So first was what? Invitation to investigate, to come and think. Second was invitation to follow, to come and apprentice. Our third story of invitation is found in John 1, 45 to 46. This is what it says. Then Philip went out to look for Nathanael. So Philip whom Jesus says, come follow me, went out to find Nathanael. And when he found him, he said to him, we have found that the one that Moses and the prophets have written about. His name is Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew, the son of Jesus of Nazareth. Or, uh, sorry, the son of um, Joseph of Nazareth, or from Nazareth. Nathanael said, Nazareth? Can anything good come from that place? Philip answered, come and see. Who's inviting here? Philip? What does he say? Come and see. Who is being invited? His friend Nathaniel. Do you see? Philip, in his apprenticeship of Jesus, pretty much says the same thing. Come and see. Good job. Good job. You passed the first test. <laughs> Our third perspective is the invitation to journey together. See, he doesn't invite him into an idea. He doesn't take that moment and give him all the answers. Right off the bat, we can tell that like Nathaniel was kind of a realist. Um, how many realists in this room right now? You're like, okay, cut the fluff, get to the bottom line. What is it that you're trying to sell? Well, well, the Tupperware is, is state-of-the-art, or uh, this Kirby vacuum. You know? like, just tell me, like, how much it costs, and what are the benefits, right? Nathaniel, like, that, that doesn't mean that you're a doubter. It just means that you're a realist. You're not a pessimist. You're just like, get to the bottom line. I want to know what's going on. Truth matters to you. It seems like Nathaniel's that way, too. Philip is excited about his discovery, and so he tells Nathaniel... We found the Messiah. 
We found the one that the, the whole Old Testament has been pointing to for thousands of years. The prophets have been talking about him. He is the one, Nathaniel. We found him. And what does he say? Dude, nothing ever comes from that dump. Are, are you kidding? <laughs> well, pretty valid response. Because nothing typically good comes from Nazareth. What did he not say? Well, he, he could have said, yeah, you know, the Messiah uh, actually was born in Bethlehem. But, and the reason why he's from Nazareth is, we call him Jesus of Nazareth, is because he's, he was living in Nazareth. Oh, and by the way, he's from the land of David, so he is actually, he doesn't do that. I don't even know if he even knew. But talk about ruining your day. Who's ever been really excited about something and somebody just comes and rains on your parade? Like you're excited about like, I don't know, like, I don't know, for you husbands, like you're like, oh, honey, I just found a boat. <laughs> we should get this boat. It's going to be amazing. And she's like, and your wife is like, are you kidding? Like we got some bills right now and the car's not paid off. Oh, but I bought all these fishing boats, like books and, uh, uh, right? Nathaniel, ruins his parade. It's like, bro, can I finish? What does he not say? You idiot. What are you thinking? He's the one. How dare you, you faithless heathen? Let me tell you the truth, okay? Okay? Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth about who Jesus is. Because you're wrong, Nathaniel. He doesn't do that. What does he say? Let me say it this way. How does he apprentice Jesus? He says, come and see. Here's an honest question for you and for me. How do you hold tension? How do you hold tension when somebody doesn't agree with you on something? How do you hold contrasting opinions on things? How do you hold different worldviews and religions and philosophies of life, from gender to human identity to politics? How do you hold that? Do you argue away into being right? Or do you try to actually make right and be like, huh, tell me a little bit about that? It's a serious question, especially as we're entering into a season in the coming year with the elections. Oh boy. Like, handcuffs on your fingers on Facebook. Like, don't even go there. It's going to be war, right? But how do we hold tension, guys? It's a serious question. I don't know if, if the church and Christians today, like, do, do a very good job. Some do a great job. Some don't. There's no nuance. It's, it's like a shouting match. How do you hold tension? It's a serious question. Philip could have argued and corrected him. Nathan, bro. He's from the land of David. And he was born in Bethlehem. He only lived in Nazareth. Now, I don't know if Philip knew these things. Maybe not. But what Philip does is he creates a safe and neutral space for honest skepticism. And then he invites Nathaniel into journeying with him as he followed Jesus. He's like, come, come, come and meet Jesus. And you'll see. A modern-day Nathaniel would say something like, Christianity? Are you kidding? 
how can a God be good if there's so much injustice and evil in our world? I just, I just can't believe in a God like that. Who's, who's ever heard that? Yeah. Are they being doubters? Are they antagonistic? No, they're being honest. It's a fair question. Why? Because Jesus says, come and think. Modern um, spirituality would say something like this, or might say something like this. It doesn't matter what you believe. Follow what works for you. Have your own truth. But old religion would say something like, doubt and skepticism is the enemy of faith. You need to believe the right ideas before you belong. But Jesus says, neither of these. John's gospel is writing to people who might be like you or like me. And those who would rather, like, investigate for themselves. Maybe this is why it's so difficult to talk about your faith. Maybe it's this anxiety of, like, I have to have answers. I have to prove the right points. I need to, like, argue and win, or win the argument, win this um, polemic uh, jousting match to get my point across because I have the truth. When does that win people's hearts? Let me know when you find out. But John is writing to curious people, and he's saying the way of Jesus starts with an invitation to come and see. To come and see is an invitation, as you'll read up here, to figure it out together. He invites them to figure it out together. So first, invitation to investigate. Second, invitation to follow, to apprentice. And third, an invitation to journey together. Now, this fourth story of invitation is a little different. It's, it's got a little bit of a twist. Have you ever felt crushed when you've put your expectations on people and they did not keep their promises? Or what you expected they didn't do? Yeah. We live in a world like that. Where sometimes we don't even want to, but we let people down by just, by just breathing. So Jesus is healing people and doing all these kinds of miracles. And Jesus gets word that his friend, Lazarus, is sick and he's dying. Lazarus has two sisters named Mary and Martha. So the word gets to Jesus, and Jesus knows that his friend is dying, but Jesus ends up showing up four days late after Lazarus had died. This is what this story says. John 11. As soon as Mary arrived to where Jesus was, she meets him like close to where Lazarus was laying. She saw him, and she fell at his feet. She said, Lord, if only you had been here sooner, my brother Lazarus would not have died. Jesus saw Mary weeping, and he saw how the others were weeping. His heart was deeply moved. So he asked them, where have you laid him? And they answered, come and see, Lord. Who is inviting? Mary and the others. What do they say? Come and see, Lord. Who is being invited this time? Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Well, we haven't gone there yet. Jesus could have said, don't cry. Don't cry. I got this. I am God. 
I've been healing and doing all these miracles. Don't worry. He doesn't do that. Don't cry. It's okay. I, I can do anything. Does he do that? No. You know what he does? The next verse is the shortest verse in the Bible. The next thing he does is he cries. Wow. Jesus cries. And then he heals Lazarus. Our fourth perspective is it's an invitation into your personal life or your personal story. Friends, to apprentice Jesus in this way is two things. It's first, an in, to invite him into the dead and impossible situations of your life. The areas where pain, trauma, heartache, and hopelessness exists. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you need to invite Jesus and to say, come and see. Into the areas where broken dreams and failed expectations and disappointment reside. But the second is to accept Jesus' invitation into a messy life. One that covers you with dust as you enter into the pain and the mess and the brokenheartedness and the hopelessness of others. Hmm. Interesting. But what is the invitation? It's to come and see. Come and see, come and think. Come and follow me, come and apprentice me. Come and see. Come and let's journey together. And then come and see is to enter into the stories of others. Now, I did promise uh, four tools. Can I do that? Yeah. All right. Four tools. Patience, courage, humility, and wonder. First, it's an invitation for patience. John the Baptist kept on saying, look, there's a Lamb of God. And then the next day, look, there's a Lamb of God. Then the next day, look, there's a Lamb of God. And finally, those two disciples, and they're following Jesus. Invitation takes patience. So be patient with yourself and be patient with others. Second, invitation requires courage. I'm sure uh, Philip knew Nathaniel, and he probably knew his personality. But what did he do? He went and he shared the good news with him. Because he found something worth being courageous about. And you should too. If Jesus has done something in your life, then invite others into it and be courageous. Third, invitation requires humility. Nathaniel's response didn't bring out the worst in him. It brought out the Christ in him. Nathaniel's, um, Philip's, Nathaniel's response to Philip didn't bring out the worst in Philip. It brought out the Christ in Philip. He showed humility. He said, good point. Yeah, I don't know the answer, but come and see. And the fourth is have a little wonder. Invitation requires wonder. After Jesus meets Nathaniel, Nathaniel sees and he um, experiences for himself who, who Jesus is. And Jesus doesn't say, you pessimist. Oh, you doubter. What does he do? Actually, the next passage says, Nathaniel, Jesus says, 
Now here's a man with complete integrity. Wow. Nathaniel sees and he believes because he came and he saw. But the wonder is on John 1.50, it says, Jesus tells Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this, Nathaniel. Invitation requires a little bit of wonder and some hope, hopeful optimism. Who wants a little bit of wonder and hopeful optimism today? Come on. So, you might not have all the right answers, but all you need is patience, courage, humility, and a little bit of wonder. The way of Jesus starts with an invitation to come and see. Why? Because Christian discipleship begins with belonging before believing. And if that's you today, and you're like, you know, I don't bleed everything, but I'm, but I'm getting there. Welcome. You're in good company. Because all the disciples that changed the world, 12 guys and a, and a bunch of women that changed the world, came with curiosity and faith grew. Could we stand together? You have the opportunity to invite people in your orbit, maybe your friends, maybe those that you work with, into the treasure that you found. Because if Jesus has changed your life, then we don't need programs to, to inspire you. <laughs> it should be like, wow, he did. Just like Zanku Chicken inspires me. And I'm like, David, you, Pastor David, you got to try this. And now he's telling others about it. We didn't sign up to a program with Zanku Chicken Corporation to like, I'm, I'm going to be your, you know, Zanku model, you know. Here, falafel, you know. No. It's like we ate it. And it's like, this is so killer. I got to tell people about this. Because, I, so you want to you grab lunch? Sure. Where do you want to go? Zanku? Let's go. Uh, I don't want to drive. DoorDash? Shouldn't it be the same thing with the God who's changed our lives? N next week is fall family, is our, is our fall, fall kickoff. And it's a spectacular Sunday. I would encourage you to invite people in your orbit, your friends, to come with you and to say, hey, come and see. Don't talk theology. Don't talk philosophy. Just say, hey, come, come with me to church. There's some good people, you know, and just it really fills my heart. And I want you to meet some people. So just come. Sounds good? All right. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for inviting us to come and to think and to experience. And you don't demand belief and the right ideas, but you work with us in the way that we are. But you love us, God. You don't love a future version of us. You love us the way we are. But you move us towards you. And as we do, we grow and we become wiser and become more humble and more loving and more embracing and less tense and anxious. God, help us to be that way. Help us to be people that invite others into a journey to apprentice you, Heavenly Father. May our lives look dusty. May we walk so closely with you, God, that people notice something dusty about us and they ask us what's going on and we just say, come and see. Thank you for the ways that you work. Empower us this week to be your people. In Jesus' name, everyone says together.
Amen. Amen. Have a great week. And if you're here for the first time, and if you're a guest, uh, meet somebody at, um, at the counter, and we'd love to get to know you. God bless you.